Babblecast B-Sides, episode 47, A Statement in the Case, by Theodora Goss. Theodora Goss is a Hungarian-American writer of fantasy short stories. Her stories have been nominated for major awards, including the 2007 Nebula Award for Pip and the Fairies, and the 2005 World Fantasy Award for Best Fiction for The Wings of Meister Wilhelm. This story first appeared in Realms of Fantasy, August 2005. So without further ado, we bring you A Statement in the Case by Theodora Goss. Sure, I know Istvan Horvath. We met about a year ago before Ava died. That's my wife, Ava. You knew that? Yeah, I figured you were pretty thorough. It was the year of the blizzard, when snow covered the cars parked on the streets, and even the post office was shut down. I didn't have to go to work for a week. So one night, I think it was a Tuesday, Ava says, Mike, I only have one of the blue pills left. This was when we still thought the chemo was doing something. When we discovered it wasn't, she turned her head towards me on the pillow. She was so beautiful, like the day we got married, and said, Mike, I think the Lord wants me home. After that, she refused to take the pills, but I couldn't throw them out. Every morning I opened the medicine cabinet and there they were, the blue ones, the orange ones that made her throw up, the green ones that made her hair fall out, the purple ones that caused constipation. When she died, I flushed them all down the toilet. But you don't want to hear about Ava. I was talking about the day I met Istvan Horvath. Well, there she was, saying there was no more blue pills, and how was I going to get to Walgreens? The snow was up to my armpits, and the subway wasn't running. Then Ava says, what about that store around the corner? Now, we always went to Walgreens. You know about that guy in Alabama who sold aspirin as that stuff that you take for cholesterol? So we were always careful. We never went to the store around the corner. For one thing, the sign said, Apothecary, which looked kind of foreign, and we wanted our pills 100% American. For another, the front of the store was kind of dirty. You know, like nobody washed the windows. But we had to have the blue pills. So I put on my boots and walked through the snow to the apothecary. And I tell you, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. It was some work walking through all that snow. I figured the store would be closed and I'd have to knock on the other door, the one for the apartment above the store, which had a sign on it that said pharmacist, but the sign in the window, which was written in magic marker, can you believe it, said open. So I walked in. When the bell on the door rang, Istvan stood up from behind the counter. Not that I knew his name back then. He was wearing a white coat, so I figured he was the pharmacist. Hello he said, in a kind of foreign voice like I'd expected. I figured he was probably Russian. We had a lot of Russians in the neighborhood in those days. Nothing wrong with that. My grandfather came through Staten Island. We're all immigrants, right? Even the Indians had to come from someplace. Now, Gorski, what's that? Polish? Ernie at the post office, he's Polish. Do you mind if I get some water, Sergeant Gorski? I'm not used to talking so much since Ava died. Nowadays, you get these lawyers and doctors moving in. They like the neighborhood atmosphere. Then the old people can't afford it anymore, so they move to Florida, to the retirement communities, and suddenly there's nobody to talk to. 
But Ava and I had some savings, and with my pension, well, I'm not ready to leave the neighborhood yet, let's just say that. So, Istvan stands up from behind the counter and says, Hello, today I did not expect customers. Was setting traps for the mice. Not to hurt them, you understand. I take them outside, to the cemetery. Later, I told him they would come back. Mice are smart, they know their way home. But he said, Then I will trap them again. It is pleasant in the cemetery, no? Eh, with the grass and trees? I will leave them bread, and perhaps they will learn to like it there. <laughs> Can you imagine? A regular mouse vacation. But that was Istvan all over. He wouldn't swat the flies on the walls. He'd catch them and put them outside, and half an hour later they'd get in again through the holes in the screen. So, you're not going to convince me that he murdered his own wife. Now, I have to admit I didn't like the look of the place when I first came in. There was dust on the shelves, and the boxes of ace bandages looked like they'd been there a while. Toward the back there were bottles of what looked like dried leaves and flowers with labels and magic marker. What did you expect, saying things like tansy, agrimony, rue? But the bottle of blue pills he gave me looked just like it came from Walgreens. When he handed it to me, he said, Tell her to take it always with a piece of bread, so the nausea is not so bad. And you know what? He was right. I won't say I stopped going to Walgreens after that, but I got to buying little things at the apothecary. Tweezers, antacids, Vicks vapor rub. One day I noticed a chessboard on the counter. Colonel Borodin, she left it, he told me. He could never get his genders right. To him, everyone was a she. She has a problem with the liver, all that vodka, but she cannot pay the bill, so she gives me this. It is beautiful, no? It was beautiful, with ebony and ivory pieces. My grandfather taught me to play chess. He said in Italy all the men would play in the park while the women were cooking Sunday dinner. That was the way to live, he said. I sure wouldn't mind living that way myself. So Istvan and I start playing together. Usually we played in the apothecary, on the counter, but a couple of times I invited him over to meet Eva. That was when I found out he was Hungarian. Eva's grandmother was Hungarian, and she knew a few words. Yes, no, hello, goodbye, thank you. I think he liked to hear them. Once he brought a plastic bag full of yellow and white flowers. Chamomile, he said. It helps the stomach. Later, he showed me where he dried things, in the basement. He had racks down there, with plants hanging from them. I know that's not what you found. Don't they teach you patience at the police academy? Chamomile tea was the only thing Ava drank, the month before she died, that is. Toward the end, when she couldn't talk, he told her stories about girls who lived in the rivers and hens that laid eggs covered with diamonds and rubies. They were so fancy they were sent to the Russian Tsar. He said he'd learned those stories from his mother. Ava loved those stories. She would smile, and then for a while she'd be able to sleep. She didn't sleep much in those days. Before she died, we didn't have a lot of friends. She hadn't gone out for a long time, except to the hospital, and I didn't want to invite the guys from the post office to the funeral. 
Ernie, for example, he can't stand hallways, especially if they're narrow. Stan doesn't like bushes, and none of us likes going to funerals. Your father was in Vietnam, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Our parents, they died a while back, and her brother was out in Tucson, so it was just me and Istvan at the cemetery. He brought a bunch of Easter lilies, exactly the kind of flowers Ava would have liked. I didn't see him for a while after that. I felt like keeping to myself. I went to work, came home, opened a bottle of beer and watched TV. I didn't even answer the phone. It was always someone trying to sell me something, like a timeshare in Florida, or asking what I thought about the mayor. And Istvan left me alone. That's the kind of guy he was, sensitive, like Ava. But one day he knocked on the door. Mike, he said, after I'd let him in and asked if he wanted a beer. I have to go to Budapest. My mother, she is dying. The doctors, they are not so good there, and now I think they will not put me in prison. See, the Berlin Wall had just come down. I watched them take it down on TV. I figured this is what we had sought for, to defeat the commies, right? That's what Ernie said. The day that wall came down, we'd won the Vietnam War. I don't know. It didn't feel won to me. The first time I tried to escape, he told me. I was drinking beer. He was drinking chamomile tea. They found me. I was stupid. I tried to escape on the train. I was only 15. The guards, they laughed and beat the soles of my feet. They sent me back to my mother and told me I would not run away anymore. The second time, I was pharmacist, finished with university. A German friend came to Budapest on vacation. His car, the back seat, it was hollow. I stayed there until we crossed the border into West Germany. He sat with his hands wrapped around the mug. I wonder if I was wrong to leave my country. A pharmacist, she is useful everywhere. He looked down into his tea. I do not know what my mother looks like now. When I left, her hair was brown. Perhaps it is white. You can't change the past, I said. And you can't. It's the one thing that you can't do. He asked if I would take care of the store, just check in on it once in a while to make sure no one broke in and that the mice didn't eat everything. Then he gave me a key. I didn't see him again for a couple of months. Then one day I heard a knock on the door. It was him, even thinner than usual, like he hadn't been eating. And standing next to him was this girl. Of course it was her. Don't worry, I'm getting to that. She had on this coat that looked like it came from the Salvation Army, and a cap on her head that was the color of... Well, anyway, it was brown. She was ugly then, pale, like she hadn't been out in the sun in years, and she had these dark circles under her eyes. I mean, she looked like she'd been raised in a box. Istvan said, My friend Mike, and kissed me on both cheeks. Now, I don't hold with men kissing, you understand, but he'd been away for a while, and they do things different in those foreign countries. This is Ildeko, he said, my wife. She'd been taking care of his mother, he explained. After his mother died, she had nowhere else to go. She had no family, and there was no jobs in Budapest. If the country became communist again, the borders would close, and she'd have no way out. 
Now isn't that Istvan all over? He marries this girl because he feels sorry for her. He might as well have invited the flies into his apartment. The first thing I noticed when I went to the apothecary for some Pepto-Bismol and maybe a game of chess was the sign. It wasn't in magic marker anymore. It was one of those regular signs that other stores had, the Pizza Express and Lou's Shoe Repair and the Vacuum Emporium. The window had been cleaned. In it were a row of combs and brushes and some of those plastic things women put in their hair, clips and things. Not the sorts of things Ava would have worn, though toward the end she almost always wore a turban. Ildeco was standing behind the counter, with her hair back in one of those plastic clips. Istvan is not here, she said, and rang me up. She was looking a little better, like she'd gotten some sleep. But I don't like skinny women, or ones that don't say hello or thank you. She stared at me like I had no right to be in that store. I tell you, I knew even then that something was wrong. You don't believe me? Well... You're the one trying to figure out who burned down the apothecary, not me. About a week later, Istvan invited me over to play chess. He told me he'd been at a pharmacist's convention. It had been Ildieko's idea, like the combs and brushes. Everything was Ildieko's idea, then. This time, there was a rack of magazines by the register. Women's Day, Soap Opera Digest, The National Enquirer. Those bottles of leaves and flowers that he'd dried himself, they'd been replaced on the shelves with soap and shampoo. There were jars of face cream. It was cleaner, for sure, and more like Walgreens. But I didn't like it. Ildieko was behind the counter again, but I almost didn't recognize her. For one thing, she'd dyed her hair. It was blonde, like Marilyn Monroe, though you could still see the roots. And she was wearing bright red lipstick. Her fingernails were bright red, too. She was something to look at, all right. But I sure wouldn't have wanted to be her husband. Istvan, he thought she was wonderful. She loves America, he told me, setting up the chess pieces. We were upstairs in the apartment. She didn't want him playing chess on the counter. It would make the customers think there wasn't enough business. She wants this to be a real American store. She thinks we should name it Drug Mart. You see, she is so clever about the window. We need a display, she says, something to bring in the women. And her Russian is better than mine. The old men, the majors and colonels, they like her. I bet they did. I wish she and Ava could have met. I am certain they would have liked each other. I wasn't so certain. Ava was... Well, she was a lady, if you know what I mean. And Ildieko Horvath... Well, I don't want to say what she was. At that moment, we heard her laughing, and a uh, da, da, coming from downstairs. Oh, you think I'm being unfair? Well, one night, this was about two weeks later, I was walking down the street, smoking a cigarette. Ava would never let me smoke in the apartment, and I still go outside. I don't know why. I guess I imagine her saying, Mike, you're going to get that smoke all over my curtains. Anyways, when I passed the apothecary, I heard her voice from the downstairs window. Do you think I enjoy taking care of that stupid woman? Do you think I enjoy cleaning up for when she cannot go to the toilet? And then I find out she doesn't leave me a forint, not a forint. 
She was shouting so loud, I thought she might wake up Lou. He still lives above the shoe repair, though he retired last year. Istvan answered her in Hungarian, or that's what I figured it was. Why you think I marry you? I had to give her one thing. Her English was better. Istvan, I deserve, yes, deserve every forint of that money. So don't get on your high horse to me about Ildieko Horvath. The Herald can go on about the tragic story, young wife found in a basement, burned to death. But I know what kind of woman she really was. We started playing chess every week, May and Istvan, and every week there was something new at the store. Boxes of Whitman samplers, Marlboro lights, those pantyhose and eggs. Ildieko sat at the counter with her blonde hair and red nails in dresses I'd be ashamed to see on Ava. All right, all right, I'll stick to the facts. That day, I went over to play chess. She wasn't at the counter. Istvan was there instead, with a liquor bottle open beside him. I'd never seen him drink anything stronger than chamomile tea. Come and join me, friend Mike, he said, and poured some into a glass. It was called, uh, what was it, palinka? Peach brandy, though it didn't taste much like peaches, it burned my throat going down. Yeah, I guess, I guess it could account for that smell. So the firemen noticed that, did they? We've been friends for a long time, no? He said, and I nodded. I guess he was as close to a friend as I'd ever had. I can tell you, things are not well. His speech was slurred, and it was hard figuring out what he was saying with that accent. He was drunk, of course, and I figured I was in for the whole story. That's what guys do when they're drunk. They tell you the whole story, and then they cry in their beer. Waste of good beer, if you ask me. But he got up from the counter and said, Come, I will show you. She said she will shop for dresses at Filene's, and then she will watch a movie. She said I should not expect her till evening. He was swaying from side to side, like one of those toys that kids punch and they don't fall down. But he managed to unlock the door to the basement, and I followed him down the stairs. When he switched on the light, I saw that the racks of drying plants were gone. Instead, how can I describe it? Ava liked movies where people wore costumes. You know, Dr. Svago. In those movies, rich people always have tables with things on them, like statues. That basement was full of tables and chairs, and on them were statues of women dancing and all kinds of dogs. There were pieces of lace just lying on the tables, silver teapots and trays, piles of teaspoons, glass bowls and vases, dark red, polished silver. It was like being in Aladdin's cave. Then I heard something. Don't ask me to describe it to you. It came from the back of the basement behind the tables, where the light didn't exactly reach. I heard it again. You think it was Ildieko Horvath. You mean you think he knocked her on the side of the head, hid her in the basement, then took me down to see what she's been doing? What kind of fool would do a thing like that? No offense, Gorski, but I don't know how you made Sergeant. Sure, he might have been too drunk to care, but that's not what happened. I told you she'd gone to the movies. I saw her come home myself around six o'clock. Now... What I saw 
were cages. Cages stacked on top of each other in the darkness. Now I'm going to tell you what was in those cages, but I want you to remember, I'd been drinking that palinka. I was probably drunk. Would a sober man have seen a goat with the head of a boy, maybe 15 or 16? Or a girl, but only about three feet tall and covered with scales? She had gills on the side of her neck, just like a fish. There wasn't enough room in the cage for her to stand, so she just sat there, rocking back and forth like some monkey at the zoo. There was a cage full of snakes, except they had wings, a bunch of them on some of the bigger ones. There was no room to fly, but they beat the air with their wings and hissed at me. There was a hen with only one leg, not on one side as though the other had been chopped off, but right in the middle. When I looked in that cage, I realized where all those Fabergé eggs had come from. Then the goat boy bleated. That was the sound I'd heard before, and something in a cage I'd thought was empty, except for what looked like a rubber poncho on the floor, opened its eyes. Its hell of a lot of eyes, all different colors, blue and green and gray. I turned and ran out of that basement, up the stairs and past the counter where Istvan was ringing up a customer. He looked up, startled as I ran past him and out the door. I didn't stop until I was across the street and smoking a cigarette. I stood there, across the street from the store, until it got dark, smoking most of the pack, not wanting to go home to the empty apartment, not wanting to return to the apothecary. I think Istvan realized why I had run out of there, because after that customer left, he went upstairs to the apartment and sat at the kitchen table with his head in his hands. Yeah, he went down again once, but then he went back to the kitchen. A couple more customers came by, but he didn't answer the bell. That's how I saw when Ildeko came home, right around six o'clock, as I said. She went upstairs and said something to him. When he didn't answer, she threw her coat down on the chair and her purse on top of it. Then she turned on the stove and started cooking dinner. Now, what you want to know is, how did the store burn down with her body in the basement? I'll tell you what I'm going to swear to in court. I'm going to swear that I saw Ildieko Horvath go down to the store and open that basement door, then go down to the basement. You can see the door through the store window. And I'll swear that I saw Istvan fall asleep on the kitchen table, spilling the bottle of palinka. Remember, the stove was on. It was a small kitchen, easy enough for some of that palinka to spill on the flames. That would explain why the firemen smelled peaches. You don't think I could see that far. Check my army record. I was a sniper in Vietnam. My vision's still better than 2020. Oh, but I was drunk by then. I'd been standing out there about an hour. I'd had plenty of fresh air. All right, so Ildieko had a bruise on her head. Maybe she got that trying to escape the fire. It spread so fast, I barely got Istvan out. Someone should talk to the mayor about these old buildings. I thought you would find the cages. Of course they were empty. You don't think I actually saw those things. Istvan probably kept the cages for catching raccoons. But I'm going to tell you something, Sergeant. Off the record, you don't have one of those wires on you, do you? I've watched cop shows before on TV. That's why I wanted to meet here instead of at the station. Ist von Horvath. He wouldn't hurt a fly. 
Those things, I don't know what they were, but I think he cared about them. Remember the stories he told Ava. I think that's what he really meant when he talked about the treasures of his country. I mentioned how he let the mice out in the cemetery. Once, when I was there sitting by Ava's grave, I saw her, the scaled girl. She was sitting on the grass by the pond and sort of humming. And once I saw the biggest bat I'd ever seen. Two feet across it must have been, like a black kite. I don't even want to talk about its eyes. But it was getting dark, so I could have been mistaken. What if, off the record now, Sergeant, Istvan did not start that fire? First, he would have set those things free. Some things, they shouldn't be in cages. You can understand that, right? You're Polish. Your people came from the old country. And Ildieko Horvath? Well, like I said, Istvan wouldn't hurt a fly. But she wasn't a fly, more like a spider in her web, or a cat waiting for the mouse to come out of its hole. What if, when she went down into that basement, Istvan followed her with the bottle of palinka in his hand? What if he showed her the empty cages, then poured what was left of the palinka bottle all over those pieces of lace, and told her he would burn the things in the basement before he'd ever let her sell them? And then... What if he lit a match? I figure she would fly at him with those red nails. If he hit her with the bottle, well, that would be self-defense. It wouldn't be his fault that the fire spread so quickly. But hey, I'm just telling a story. There are no windows in the basement. If something happened down there, I wouldn't have seen it, even if I wanted to. Anyways, I tell you, Whatever she got, she deserved. And I think Ava would agree. But that's between you and me, Sergeant. Istvan's not talking. I told him this is America. We have rights in this country. So I'm your only witness. And as far as I'm concerned, that fire was an accident. And I'm not going to say different. Not if I have to swear on the Bible. So help me God. This story was brought to you by Drebblecast Productions. Special thanks to our episode artist this week, David Krumenaker. And special thanks to you for subscribing to the Drabblecast B-Sides premium content feed and helping us with the work that we do here at the Drabblecast. We couldn't do this without your generosity and support.